Hi, this is Cutter Garsha. I play the voices of Torn and Jinx in the Jack and Daxter series. I'm here to tell you that you're listening to Jacked, the Jack and Daxter podcast. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to Jacked, the Jack and Daxter podcast. This is episode 22. I am joined by two of the people. They would like to introduce themselves. I am Cherry, just by the way. Hello, I'm Darren. And I'm an immortal alien going by the alias of the Lone Wolf, also known as CJ. <laughs> it's true. I wasn't sure where that was going. That was lovely. Okay, so before we start the show, I just wanted to remind people, if they haven't had a chance to listen to the last episode, we're running a little competition thing for animal creations. Gabonetta was talking about it. It was all his idea. So you just take two animals and you mush them together to create a sort of otzel pecker type thing something that would be right at home in the world of jack and daxter just any two of your favorite animals and just slap them together just like an otzel or a crocodile or whatever (laughs) whatever pecker is called exactly that was well put so yeah i mean if you email your creations in to the jacked podcast email i got it wrong last time there's a full stop in it it's actually jacked.podcast.gmail.com I'll put it in the show notes as well, just in case you want to see it spelt out to make sure you don't waste any time. Or you can tag us on Instagram and we'll be posting the submissions on there as well, which will be cool. Are you two going to have a go at it? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I guess, yeah. Why not? I was inspired by Gabs last time. Uh, Just for all the listeners, he he created a beautiful creature that you can... It goes by many names. There's a snat (laughs) or a cake. So it's a cat and a snake mixed together. I think it looks more like a snat than a than a cake. Yeah, yeah, it definitely has powerful snat energy. Yeah, cake yeah. would be like you know thicker, you know, like it's got cake, but it doesn't have cake. It's too skinny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now moving on, we've got news and updates. Just a little bit this week. It is that Josh Mansell, who is the composer for the Jack trilogy, he is teasing a possible soundtrack of all the unused music from the Jack Two game. So in the tweet, he said, I've been hurled back into the vast Jack 2 archives to retrieve answers to a pile of soundtrack questions. Roughly 90M of score and outtakes. I've no idea what 90M means. Minutes. Oh, right. Oh, fuck me. I was like, meters? (laughs) I know. (laughs) But they are on the LR box. So that leaves about six hours of R&D demos. Renegade, Rejects, Anthology edited into a listenable length. That is a lot of music, 90 minutes. It is. Damn, yeah. I think that's, I mean, if you just have that on YouTube. I mean, though, not honest, if you consider that I think the average time it takes to play through one of these games is about 9 to 10 hours. Um, Mm. But still, to have that much music left on the cutting room floor makes you wonder. It's probably just alternate takes and because they there's there's that thing with jack 2 where um the music will switch up a little bit depending on if you're on the jet board mm. or if you have your guns out so i bet you a lot of that music's probably something like that it's just different layers for existing tracks it does sound like that because he goes on to tweet i think it was in a comment he said to be clear much of it is experimentation of how to address the player generated interactive score elements oh look at that exactly he said many variations on a handful of themes and some outright rejects i'm trying to make sense of what's here and possible edit options so yeah it sounds like that cj it sounds like it's going to be like a big Mm. lump of like background music when you're playing the levels rather than like 
scores in themselves sort of thing. Well, um, e- either way, I hope we do get a couple of new, th- new themes. It'd be nice just to see. I've always liked the music in this series. Jack 2 is especially, I think, is really ambient and atmospheric. Mm. Yeah. Jack 2 was really great for the dynamic music, like depending on what, what you do, whether you were uh, shooting or on the jet board or whatever, like it would, there was themes for absolutely everything you were doing. I think it'd be really fun, like if he does drop a load of music, I think it'd be really fun if we like maybe played a guessing game to see like, you know, what the what the track was yeah. being intended for. You know, if we all oh, just gave yeah. a listen and be like, oh yeah, that's that, that's definitely a Jetboard theme if I've ever heard it. That could be uh, fun. That could Unless be fun. it's like the title says something like port theme reject number two and it's like, mm, I wonder <laughs> what this was for. Yeah, it probably will actually be titled like what the alternative is. But we, we can cover that up. We just won't look. Yes. Gab can do like a prequisitor on it or something. That was something that was pointed out apparently in some reviews I watched of Jack 3 is that the music doesn't do that. It doesn't switch up regardless of whether or not you're on the jet board or not. Um, I guess oh. It just shows you just... I think Jack 3 was a, definitely a rush development. They put the sequel out less than a year after Jack 2. That makes sense. Like I never, I never really consider how quickly they put it out after Jack... Mine, didn't they put Jack 2 a year out after the Precursor Legacy? Well, they did two years. Oh okay. oh, okay. Which I think is about what, I mean, that should be for anything. Movies, even TV shows. I think it'd be great if a TV show went off the air for a year and then it comes back and then you, you know, have hype and anticipation for it. Mm. I feel like it's harder to do that now unless you have scheduled TV because, I mean, people just, mm-hmm. they watch something else that they can get now. They do that. They used to do that a lot, apparently, from what I hear over there, like in British and European television, because the way y'all do television is a bit different than the way we do it over here in the States. Y'all like shoot like a whole series all at once and then we'll maybe debut it a year later. Yeah, that sounds about hit. right, I think. Would you say, Darren? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I'm actually kind of a bit out of the loop on that, <laughs> on like the way the way they, yeah, the way they record like TV shows and stuff. Everything over here is so reactionary. It's like they'll film a couple episodes, but then if the episodes flop, then they'll just cancel the oh. show without ever having oh, it finished. Terrible. Yes, no, it's really bad. <laughs> well. Anything for them ratings, but anywho. back. Yeah, back to this little news story about Josh Mansell. I thought, I thought, I know he says it's because of Jack 2, but I'm thinking it could be a cover, possibly. Maybe it's for the anniversary and he had to come up with something cause He's the one who did the orb um, last episode we talked about. He posted a picture of him with an orb. Um, yeah. yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, Naughty Dog needs to get him on their um, marketing team. Or is he already? He's doing the, he's doing the Lord's work. Oh, is he already on this? <laughs> Darren, did you get a chance to translate that orb? Oh my God, I forgot all about it. No, I didn't. <laughs> um, but I would bet my life that it says sequel on the way, get hyped. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly right um oh god it's so interesting though that he you know has the orb that time and now he releases he he posts uh these statuses again then afterwards Mm. um it's like you know even if nothing is coming it's still really cool at the very least that he's thinking a lot about jack and daxter you know it's just you know he also did the music for crash bandicoot as well oh yeah he has such a unique sound it's really cool to see that he's thinking about it even after all these years you know and that it still has a, a place in his heart you know mm. um so at the very least i'm just really happy to see that but um 
you know, between all the attention that he's putting towards Jack and Daxter and leading up to the 20th anniversary, I am getting kind of hopeful. Yeah, same. Mine, that makes so much sense how you say he did the Crash Bandicoot music because the Precursor Legacy, like the startup screen, I immediately got like the feels of Crash Bandicoot for the music. Mm-hmm. That sort of like jungly island. Have they ever done a commercial release for the music for, or for the game? for anything like really for the series i don't know like there's not a lot of merchandise there's been a new youtube video by i can't remember who it was i think it was like something demon anyway it was about a vinyl record that came out for the jack x music it's like rare but i mean that's that's the most i know but that makes sense because queens of the stone age did the music for jack x oh that's right yeah like an actual real band made music for the game so it makes sense that oh. they probably want to put it out they probably got fans that want to hear it that is cool it's quite quite a statement to put it out on vinyl as well i mean vinyl's making a comeback oh god why though it's like it's so much less convenient than a cd we millennials apparently just really love wasting money on nonsense <laughs> <laughs> Well, I listened to the Jack and Daxter soundtrack the way it was intended to be listened to, which is on seven-second increments on hit clips from the 90s and early 2000s. <laughs> love it. Love it. I have no idea what that is. What is that? I only found out about them myself the other day. <laughs> it, it, they, oh. came, they were like, you got them at McDonald's or fast food. They basically were like the little 30-second. <gasps> it was before MP3 players were a thing. I remember those. Yeah, uh, I remember there being a Girls Aloud one and a McFly one at one point. Yeah, I remember those. That was cool. I had a Sugar Ray, I uh, think, and an InSync one. That was about it. They were really cute. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, if they don't release anything on Laserdisc, then we don't want it. <laughs> what is Laserdisc? Imagine CDs, but huge. Oh. Yes. Very huge. <laughs> like the size of records. Oh, Okay. Okay, I, cool. I kind of want to own one just for the novelty of it. Literally just big CD and they had albums and movies on them. Could just frame it. The last movie released was Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, yeah, I would do that. I would just frame a laser disc just for the novelty. Uh, so the next section is uh, Quickfire Daxton. Uh, so Zeke Tarasenko, uh, PowerCell Zeke, has posted to Facebook fan groups about a Jack Month to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the Precursor Legacy. So Jack Month will be running from the 1st of November to the 3rd of December, which is the anniversary. And uh, in the status, he basically says, uh, announcing a community-wide celebration of the series 20th anniversary, Jack Month. This year is Jack and Daxter's 20th anniversary. To celebrate this milestone, the community is hosting a month-long event dedicated to the franchise, Jack Month. And uh, in a too-long-didn't-read section, he posts... Uh, Jack Month is an event for fans by fans where we'll create and share content about the Jack series. Um, anyone can be part of the event and he just wants us to read the whole announcement for more info. But it's basically just leading up to the anniversary. Fans can make um, art, uh, music, videos, comics, fan fiction, anything at all. Any creative aspect you want to apply to the Jack and Dexter universe. Uh, you can and it's basically just one big celebration of the series the series's anniversary i thought that was such a good idea like when i saw it i was like yes this is awesome and they he did have podcasts in the list as well so we could get on that schedule maybe we absolutely could i have a feeling guys jack four is going to be our snyder cut 
<laughs> we 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 are going to will this thing into existence. We will. We, we surely will. We just need to get a hashtag going. Yeah. It worked out. It worked out for the Snyder Cut fans. It can work out for us too. Is that how that came about? Just from demand. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> wow. I mean, I'm I was impressed to be honest. How, but to be honest though, they should it's they should it's the movie that they should have put out to begin with. I won't even get into it. it uh, that whole situation makes me so mad. <laughs> as like a, as a as a filmmaker, as a lover of cinema, it makes me furious. But oh. back to Jack. I digress. Uh, we uh, yeah, we could definitely get in on the uh, Jack month. Uh, I mean, as far as I know, we're the only Jack and Daxter podcast around, so you know it'd be be a shame if we didn't get involved somehow. I think so. I mean, it says you have to join the Discord to sort of go through the procedures to get on the schedule and start taking part. So definitely do that. I have a video I'm working on. It'll probably be done way before then, but I could maybe do another one. Another what? Another trailer video? Well, no, basically, I'm just kind of doing like a summation of the trilogy, like just kind of Jack told from Jack's perspective, just like his story from the first game through the third game and just kind of like the story of Jack, basically, and kind of like, this is what happened. This is his hero's journey. Oh, that'd be cool. I'd really want to see that. That will be cool. Um, I might do another trailer mashup, though, for uh, Jack 4. Um I might use one of the Fast and Furious trailers music for it. Mm. Yeah, we need to have um an episode soon after we finish the Precursor Legacy about what our dream Jack Fours would be. Oh yeah, that's that's a good episode. That's mm-hmm. I'll be looking forward to that one. Mm. Ian and Jace are going to be making an appearance for that, I believe. Oh, that'll be a good episode. Mm. Really looking forward to it. There's just so much to talk about. So many dreams I've had about you know the perfect Jack and Daxter game. I mean, there's so many directions you could go. I mean, it's not like so so many. They didn't write themselves into a corner. I don't feel like with the story at all, and especially with the time travel aspect. You get into Jack Two and it, the complications of the time travel plot line, but Jack Two does it in a really simplistic way that doesn't create really any unnecessary plot holes, um, mm. uh, except for the whole Jack is Mar thing. But I feel like that's what they were going to go into with Jack 4. I think they even said that, that they were going to explore the legacy of Mar a bit more and elaborate on that question. Well, I definitely look forward to talking about Jack 4. I mean, but yeah, we, we better get started on the finale for the Precursor Legacy if we're ever going to get to Jack 4. Ooh, I'm hype. Let's do it, yo. Let's do this. Okay, so this is the main discussion now, which is our mission by mission the final level of the Precursor Legacy. I don't know what... What is this level really called? Is it just the the Dark Eco Silo battle with Golem Maya? I think, yeah, it's just destroy the robot or destroy the Precursor robot. Maybe, I don't know. Oh. Well, before we jump into the mission itself, let's just talk a bit about approaching the platform. Because I thought there was something, some things to point out. First and foremost, I didn't appreciate how weird the robot really is before this point, especially the arm. It looks like a paintball gun. It's just, it really goes with the backstory that they've sort of crafted it themselves from bits and bobs that mm-hmm. they've had to scavenge. But that is weird. I don't know what that is, that arm. 
I can just imagine them being all Tomb Raider and like, oh, we found this robot and then they get to it and it's in pieces and they're like, well, shit. Mm. <laughs> Looks like we're going to have to delay our plan another couple of years. <laughs> just to describe it, it's like a precursor metal rod with this sort of plum-like appendage coming out of it. It just looks very, very strange. But yeah. I did think they got like a good balance between frightening and comical though for the creepy robot because it is a kid's game. So I think they did that well. Yeah, it's um it's creepy because like um I don't know, I suppose in the back of your head the whole time you know the precursors are sort of good. Like you never see them or anything, mm. but you just have this impression that they're good guys. Uh so when you see one of their robots sort of Frankenstein together out of like cobbled bits of metal and bone and stuff it kind of it just rubs you the wrong way it's like it shouldn't be that mm. way uh, so yeah it, kinda, it feels unnatural you, you just, yeah exactly you just immediately know it's a, it's a villain that's something wrong uh, so mm. it is kind of unsettling that way Something I've just noticed just by looking at these screenshots um, is that it kind of brings back the color palette from Misty Island, which this and that location are the only locations that kind of use the overt purple as like the main color scheme. And purple, you know, in this series is always associated with dark ego and death and danger. Um, so I just think it's another cool thematic, you know, the, like I've mentioned it so many times, but I think I feel like not only are the colors here in the game just like an aesthetic choice, but I feel like it, they also definitely use it to tell the story and to help um, accent the story. Like this is the final hour. This is Jack's, I think, in Daxter's darkest hour in the game. This is all or nothing. They got to do this or the whole world's toast. And um, yeah, just, I like the purple. Help, I think it helps to make it look scarier. Definitely, like I noted in the, on the torso, I love how they're really consistent with the dark eco. Like throughout the whole games, they never tweak what the dark eco looks like if it's in mm -hmm. like a sentient being. And it reminded me a lot of the dark makers in Jack Three, yeah. like a walker. Oh yeah, it reminded me of that. Mm. It's quite creepy. It reminds me of um War of the Worlds as well. I don't know why. Oh, the mm. big tripod. I mean, kind of. I, I can see and it. I could definitely see, like, with Gull's mastery of Dark Eagle, I could definitely see him, like, uh, messing. I mean, he has that machine in the Citadel that spawns all the little bunny lurkers. So he's kind of, he's mm. shown that he's kind of messed around with genetic, genetics stuff, you know. Mm. Uh, so maybe mm. he has, like, just vats of, uh, like, vat-grown Dark Eagle muscle fiber that he, like, fuses into the machines to make them functional and flexible uh. yeah that would be suitably creepy enough for gall to do mm. uh but the the uh the insect-like appearance on the robots that actually serves a purpose because in the design bible um it describes them as like sticking their proboscis into the ground and like draining eco out of it and then using that eco oh. to power the robots so i reckon like Apart from looking really cool, it was practical for them as well. So I that would say, awesome. uh, I would say, given enough time, Gal and Maya were gonna stick the proboscis into the dark eco silo and just uh, slurp up the dark eco jungle juice. That that is such a good take on it. Yeah, that must be why because it is a weird design, but it it's a lot nicer to think they had like a method to the madness. Like it's got one mossy spiky foot, then it's the yeah, like the honeybees proboscis that would be nice if they all had like a goal for them mm. okay so moving on now to fighting the precursor robot 
So here we immediately have new lurkers. They're spiked and they're blue. And I'm noticing whenever they want to sort of level up the difficulty, they can just add spikes like to anything. <laughs> that seems to be their go-to. That or the things just start randomly red rings. The red rings just fan out across the mm. battlefield. That's their two tricks, spikes and rings. That's, yeah, that is true. Because like with um with claw, like I know we didn't use the rings, but it was like the lava sort of fans out towards you. They do mm -hmm. do that a lot. I mean, I guess there's certain tropes when it comes to boss fights and platform games. And I guess they just have to stick to those tropes. It's just like a, any other thing. Mm. It's classic. I like it. Oh, no, it's not a negative at all. What was the first ability the robot uses? It's kind of, it's shooting like a blue eco beam, isn't it? Right into the center of yeah. the, uh, mm -hmm. the lid. Yeah. I'm guessing that's like trying to push it outwards. It's using like kinetic energy to literally push, get, push the, how would you even describe it? The, the, the lid, I suppose, push the lid open mm. on the silo. Yeah. And then yeah, he starts resorting it's... to more destructive things when he's kind of taking damage. That is a point I did love as well, that like in each stage of defeating the robot, they show the silo opening through that crack. That was a nice detail, I thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it shows that they were actually going to succeed if you weren't there. And it also yeah. adds, a, it adds a hazard to the boss battle as well, that you can't just jump around all willy-nilly. You have to actually make sure you don't fall into the, the dark eco now. Yeah. Very cool touch. Exactly, yeah. I thought it was really cool that the robot uses the like the different egos in new ways like uh we kind of saw blue ego being used in the blue sage's levitating machine to lift up the boulder in rock village mm. um so that was a new thing but then in this boss battle he uses like all the ego in new ways like we see the red ego uh radial sort of explosions and by shooting globs of green ego into the dark ego he creates those weird spiky lurkers showing that if you mix you know, the energy of life with Dark Eco, you get this foul, evil kind of life form. Um, you know, they just had, they really had Eco thought out well from the start. It was very cool to see that. It helps that Dark, it helps that Eco is essentially just magic with a hint of Deus Ex Machina. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Deus, what? It's, it's a, it means God in the machine. It's basically a plot device that becomes whatever you need it to be in the moment. Oh. Like eco is so malleable, you can pretty much use it to do. It's used to pretty much do whatever in the game. Mm. It's basically just magic. Oh, okay. Well, bringing it back to a more surface level note of mine, I loved hearing Goal's little like ha 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 every now and then when the robot blasts. Like I love mm. it when they add those little audio clips of whoever's in that level. I love it. I just think it adds to making you feel like you're not actually alone playing the game. Speaking of 80s music, this is when we get um, that infamous We're Not Gonna Take It line from Dee Snyder. Oh, yeah, I, I do love that. People, there's still some sort of debate that that is not like in direct reference to the Twisted Sisters. It's totally a reference. Of course it is. I know, it's, it's madness. It's a direct reference. How How is there any confusion over that? <laughs> I think it's, I think Gab was skeptical, wasn't he? I mean, I've read in the trivia, like, I think on the IMDb page that it was a direct reference. So I don't know. I mean, I do love their villainous lines because, like, when you think about it, 
piloting a fully functioning precursor robot, even if it is cobbled together, is probably the most amount of power anyone in the world mm-hmm. has wielded at that point. So if they were a bit drunk on power, the fact that they could fly anywhere and open whole ass precursor silos by themselves, like, you know, if they were a bit drunk on power and feeling mad and villainous, mm. I wouldn't blame them. Because, <laughs> like, literally no one has piloted a robot in that world before. Yeah. It gets into the, like, in this scene, in this level, we get into the whole light eco, white eco thing. But See, it does. I told you I wasn't tripping. I know, it's just, like, them speaking throughout this, it's really hard to tell what they're saying sometimes. And I even watched it online with the subtitles to see, you know, does it explicitly say light or white? But no, the the subtitles have no idea what they're saying. It said, lightning hell and paws exist, they must not be allowed to get it, and <laughs> oh, then it goes on. So it must be the auto-generated credits. <laughs> Big, if true. <laughs> they got nothing. I mean, I'm just, I can remember, like, from a, it was a long, long time ago, like maybe before 2010, probably, um, when I was on the Jack and Daxter wiki, or not, not the Wikipedia, but the like Wikia page for uh, Jack and Daxter, and they had a separate page for all the ecos, and I f- really remember there being a page called White Eco, but there even being like there being a section in the page saying there's some like discrepancy of whether or not this is the same substance that's light eco in jack three they were treating them both like they were two separate things yeah because i watched a video by vtnviivi i don't know i don't know if that's how you say it or if there's some sort of unknown oh i think he just calls himself vv oh yeah just as an abbreviation kind of thing i think he refers to himself as vv yeah fair enough but he was saying the white eco is what you see in this game, where it's the four types of eco that go together to make the white eco. Which makes sense, and, yeah. But then according to the strategy guide, that is light eco. But he he said light eco was a gift from precursors in the Jack 3 game to balance out the dark eco in Jack. So they do seem to be two separate things, but there seems to be a lot of crossover well it looks different too like the white eco looks like just a solid glob of glue really but the light eco looks more ethereal has that like glowing effect to it 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 looks more wispy Mm. you know it doesn't look so like globby yeah that's true now that could just be attributed to like artistic changes because they have better graphics later on so they probably wanted to you know just make it look a bit more kind of energetic or holy i suppose um like the more i think about it the more i realize how deep into this into this discussion you can actually get yeah because like you know eco this eco in the first game it was a combination of the four other colors uh whereas all the light eco you see in jack three it's never made from combined eco it's always just present by itself Mm. for some reason it's a gift um now you could probably say that like if they had more time Naughty Dog would have thrown in puzzles where you had to like activate these switches that would shoot the other colors of eco and you had to activate them all in order to make white eco to like progress to the next area. Oh, that sounds like it would have been hell. Absolute hell. That sounds like it would have been hell and and you could probably jump into the beams to channel those individual colors if you wanted to as well. But like, you know, they they wouldn't have done that because Jack Tree was rushed. There was no way they would put make something like that work. Mm-hmm. Um 
but like i'm just thinking of the language used because dark eco is dark eco and then there's light is the opposite so if if, if it's white eco like you know dark well i get i don't know dark eco and light eco they go together don't they or do you mean like white yeah. eco and black eco then as a pair I mean, but dark eco isn't even uh, black, though. It would, be, would it be like purple eco or lavender? Yeah, no, not lavender. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> mauve eco. <laughs> I, I do feel like they're separate, though. Because, I mean, if I think white eco is the four that go together, and I think light eco is like its own thing that was a gift from the Oracle in Jack 3. Because otherwise, hmm. you would be able to make dark eco in the same way, wouldn't you? If white was the same as light. Like, you can't make dark eco, can you? And they have all those light eco vents, though, all over the place. Like, they were always there. Was that, like, a gift as well? I don't know. It's it's hard to know without sort of getting a gauge of how much thought they put in, like, for canon-wise. Simply put, they didn't. <laughs> I agree with you, Darren. <laughs> We have to do it for them. <laughs> okay, I, I know how to end the discussion once and for all, right? My uncle works at Naughty Dog and he says it's like eco. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it here first, folks. I can't even remember what side of the argument I'm on. I think Daxter definitely says white, but then Goal says light. That's how I hear it. Oh, I, I can't remember the way Goal says it. I mean, but the thing is, is that with Daxter, I think with the with with what how he talks and whatnot, like white eco light eco like white eco white yeah, eco it could, it could go either way it can almost it sounds almost the same but so i was just gonna say it's like how much does he know about light and white like if you saw it to just describe it you'd probably say oh white eco yeah even the way his mouth moves like the animation it's it could go either way like the way his lips purse and everything it just he <laughs> could actually be saying light or white it's really hard to tell Mm. Speaking of this whole thing, um, they speculate that White Eco is the thing that could have turned Daxter back into a human. Why can't they just make more of it after they destroy the robot? They act like they're they're not the the, the eco sages. Why can't they just do their little thing again and make more of it? That is the thing. Like they show us how it's made. That's their downfall. They showed us how it's made, and then they said they can't make any more, which does not track. It's not like they needed Gaul to make it because he played no part in its creation. Mm. Actually, now that I think about it, why did those eco towers even activate? There's so many holes when we when we dig a bit deeper. <laughs> <There's> just... <laughs> it keeps on going. I always assumed it was the power of all four stages like coming together. I don't know they don't explicitly say that or show that, but I I, I could have swore I read somewhere. Or maybe I just always assumed that it was the power of all four, the other four sages. Like their presence sort of triggers something in the tower that like wakes them up. Or maybe it of. was some sort of defense mechanism in the Citadel against the precursor robot. I don't know. Oh yeah, actually, yeah, because the the silo was opening. So like, if the if the white eco formed over the silo, it could act as like a. I don't know a, a patronus type thing to keep the dark eco pressed inside. Well, that's what it, that's what it did too. It's it started appearing like just right, right before you grab it, it just starts appearing all over the place. So you just go run to it and trigger the last cutscene. Um, so yeah, I think we might be onto something. 
Yeah, if Jack wasn't there, it would form just a protective barrier to stop the, the dark ego leaking out and destroying everything. Yeah. I just love that a Harry Potter reference was made. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like shooting a Patronus right down into the silo and just like, you know, keeping all the darkness away if the dark ego is just a bunch of Dementors. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the Jack podcast without a Harry Potter reference at least once per episode. Exactly, and I'm so glad it wasn't me that brought it up. <laughs> oh, actually, another thing, another thing about the light ego, right, is um, they, right, so they think that it's the thing that can cure Daxter and turn him back into human form. So when Jack turns into light Jack and starts picking up globs of light ego everywhere in Jack 3, how come Daxter never like actually brings it up and wonders why it hasn't changed him back yet mm. you know like i know canon wise he was actually blessed so it wouldn't work because like you know he's a precursor at that point i suppose they could but, have made a little scene or a little comment about it which could have been foreshadowing that the precursors were all full of bullshit <laughs> and it would have been a foreshadowing <laughs> that oh yeah they lied about it being who they were and whatnot hmm it would have made sense, yeah. like, in that final Jack 3 scene where they're sort of, like, waving off the precursors in their spaceship, I suppose you could call it. It would have made sense, like, they just sort of ticked off all the points to wrap up the game. It would have made sense if they just threw in that as well, like, why Daxter wouldn't have turned back when he's hanging about with Jack with his light eco thing going on. But then on. that does go back into the debate of whether or not light eco and white eco are two completely different things. And maybe the reason the light eco doesn't have any effect is because it is a separate substance from the light eco, a white eco. Or maybe like you said, Cherry, um, or Darren, I forget who said it, but maybe the light eco really is was a spur of the moment creation by the precursors for Jack to help balance out his dark side. Hmm. Hmm. It is hard, yeah. I mean, that's what I think. I think they're separate, like, in my head canon. That is how I'm going to Because, I mean, that. can other beings channel Eco the way Jack can in this universe? Has anybody ever shown to be able to do that besides the sages? I don't think so. Mm. Not all four either, is it? Because in all the locations where you would use the light Eco to get past obstacles, like in the monk temple, like I can't imagine the monks actually used the light Eco vents to like stop time so they could get across a crumbling bridge to a, an elevator that goes down to the center of the earth. That is a good point. This truly is the most important question we're going to talk about, whether or not white Eco is the same as light Eco. It's one of the big debates. <laughs> um <laughs> And then also, I mean, I just think that this is just a classic final, like, it's like I said before, it's a classic platformer boss fight. Mm -hmm. You use all your powers, you know, you get to see uh, with the creation of light eco, a white eco or whatever it's called. You get to see like, this is what all four of the colors make. You use it to destroy the robot. You get the sequel tease, which we're going to get into here in a minute. It's still a challenging mission, but it's still fun. At least I think it's a lot of fun. It's probably the best boss fight, I think, of the entire series, to be honest. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. It's like the whole, it's like the apex to everything that's come before. And it, you can really see it sort of jam-packed into this mission. Yeah, I agree. Um, those precursor launchers, I do believe, are the highest launches in the game. There are some launches that happen on the floating platforms in one section of the citadel that come pretty close, but I think it, overall, in terms of like the absolute amount of meters that you get shot into the air, oh yeah, uh, the precursor launches in the final boss battle are the highest, and that is very fun. 
Mm. You go really high. You get mm. stupid high on those platforms. Yeah, like I would have thought the closest would be in the boggy swamp, wouldn't it? Like when they when he jumps like over into a different area, but it's still not. It doesn't seem as high as this one. Yeah, the ones in Boggy Swamp come pretty close, actually. I think you might be right on that. But uh, I think the ones on the, the silo in the final boss battle are the the highest. Mm. Oh, I'll believe that. It does seem like that would be the case. Okay, so now we are moving on to Daxter's heroism scene, is what I've labelled it as. Just a quick note on it. I just thought it was like a real stamp of Daxter's character. Like, he's been a wimp throughout the whole thing, really. Like, with the odd bit of courage. But generally, mm-hmm. he has been like a wimpy character. So this was a nice way to just like amend all that and just prove, yes, he's a good character. Which scene is it? Is it the scene where he's just like, okay, you can use the white eco to save the world? But Yes, that's exactly it. I should have explained that. Yeah. When he's saying, go on. How nice of him to allow Jack to save the world, you know, just we should really be <laughs> giving him a nice pat on the shoulder for allowing Jack to save the world. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I totally agree with you, Cherry. <laughs> Do you know, that's such a good point. I hadn't considered that. Like, it's literally either he and everyone else dies or he gets to be a human to again for two yeah. seconds. <laughs> For two seconds and then gets immediately killed. That is a good point. Maybe that's not his most redeeming scene. I did like the badass duo smile they share after Daxter's resolve. I think that adds to the epicness of the Mm -hmm. finale. I think, though, um, Cherry, you do have a point. I think it does speak to Daxter's... um, He's finally accepted his situation and accepted that he is probably going to remain this way forever. Um, so mm-hmm. I think at this from this point on, he really does become Jack's sidekick, like for real. I think, or Jack's like partner in crime for real. He 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 starts leaning into um, all the pants, you know, like the whole issue with the pants later on in Jack two and three. He's <laughs> stuff like that, you know. I think, and also his humor gets a lot better in, from after this game. Um, and I I think mm-hmm. they expand on this too. Like there's a scene in Jack two where. Um, I think it's after Daxter wins this class two races and it's the race that Daxter won and Jack comes in and says, you did a good job. And then Daxter's like, no, no, we did a good job. And it's like, oh, like the one time that you can mm. actually take all the credit for something you don't want to take credit for. It. You want to share it with Jack. That is nice. They do give him Daxter like crumbs, but they are good crumbs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, and now we have, in terms of the mission, we have defeated the robot. It has been blown up and Jack and Daxter are doing their little victory dance and the final cutscene commences. I really love that they made a meal of the whole dance. It's as if all the little show-off power cell cuts were just a lead-up to this big dance reveal. And I, <laughs> the bum wiggle is great. Yas Queen, Slay, Jack and Daxter, iconic performance. Work it, work it. Super Bowl 2022. Um, I love it. It is a good one. I mean, do you have a favorite bit of the dance, either of you? I like the very end when da- the Jack's pose at the very end. He looks all like serious, like, but he just did this like really, you know, when he just did this really funny dance routine, but he just looks like he's about to like take a dump or something. I don't know. <laughs> 
the bit that always stood out to me was uh, there's a part where they do a little like it's either a flip or a roll or something and I just remember thinking I that must be terrifying like on a floating platform right. that's like moving yeah. moving pretty fast on the way back over to the, the main tower uh, like if it's moving pretty fast you're probably going to be unsteady on your feet anyway because you know the wind with stuff would probably make you unsteady but to have the balls to do a flip <laughs> or a roll it's like oh it was yeah I couldn't wrap my head around it. I was like, why would you bother? After w- saving the world, and you just like roll off a platform just so you could have a cool dance. Oh, God. That is a good point. I never considered that. I love the little Pulp Fiction moment, too, when they're doing the little fish swim thing. I think, <laughs> yes. it's, a, you know, I think it's a reference to Pulp Fiction. I could be wrong. I don't know. Well, the credit to Kira, I really appreciated, but I wasn't sure. Does the Red Sage suggest that Kira could be the new Sage, or is he still talking about Jack? Because he... He compliments Kira, and then he goes straight on to say we could have a new sage. I think about? he was talking about Kira. Do you need to be able to channel Eco though? Well, that's the thing, though. Um, Jack and Daxter and Jack 2 help young Samos uh, obtain the ability, you know, to channel Green Eco, I'm assuming. So maybe it's a learned, I think. You can learn it through training, I guess. Um isn't that the thing though in in this uh, alleged lost frontier game that's um eludes my mind because it, i've never heard of such a game um isn't the, the alleged plot of this alleged game apparently revolves around akira going to be training to become a green sage <laughs> oh really i mean i literally i haven't played the game all the way through and i haven't even read about the story that sounds kind of cool actually if they'd done it well but i did not know that yeah, th- there was there was some very there was a lot of potential with the ideas there, um, but just going back to like the sages and stuff. Yeah, I think being a sage is something that is learned, whereas Jack is like just has like natural talent. Now in the design bible, it says that the little ring on his chest that's part of his uh, clothes that's actually like an artifact thing that lets him channel ego. Oh. Uh, but that's like that's like a whole other discussion we could go into in another episode talking about the nature of like channeling eco and stuff. We probably don't have time to talk about that stuff. But uh, I'd say he was, I'd say the Red Sage was definitely talking about uh, Kira becoming the next Sage just because of her ingenuity and how much she contributed to the adventure. Ooh, I love that. I love that he was talking about Kira then. Hmm. That's really that really is a, a an iconic part of his costume, isn't it? Though that ring and the leather mm. straps, um, I feel like that's probably the signature element of Jack's costume. Yeah, I mean, I didn't realize that was a whole big debate, but I can definitely see because it kind of takes away from Jack's character if you say he's only special because of something to do with his outfit. Yeah, I've never even heard of that before, Darren. Where'd you hear that from? Um, it was in the design bible uh, there's a little arrow pointing oh. to the ring and it says that it's an artifact that lets him like hold and channel ego oh, okay. and then there's like then there's like fan fictions that it was actually a gift from his mother who was actually like uh, a proto sage type person in Haven City oh. there's a lot, a lot of cool cool uh, theory surrounding it they do sound cool theories I don't know why I just have the idea of Jack's mom being like an evil like royal or something like a dark royal type oh. i don't know why i just i just feel it i feel it for jack i feel like because it would play into his duality because king damus is like justice and you know survival and so i feel like it would have to be somebody who is equally strong-willed like that to be in a relationship with with damus 
Yeah, yeah, he could have been at like you know some nobles ball in Haven City, and he he falls for like evil green haired mommy Jack, or maybe her name was Jacqueline or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> dead but yeah i mean another debate for next episode that i think we very much need to have is what do we think happened to goal and maya Mm, yes a big one um personally i think they're probably still alive trapped in that dark eco robot probably stinks like hell yeah i mean it could be a very long discussion i think yeah there's so many ways it could have gone so yeah we'll, we'll definitely have to do that next episode I reckon, like, the head was damaged. There was a hole in there. So I reckon, like, Dark Eco got in and, like, rapidly mutated them to the point that they just, like, they just died instantly because they're just mutated beyond recognition. Or they just fizzled away. Maybe they straight up got disintegrated or something. <laughs> it's a grim end, whatever the it's whatever a very, the It's a very grim end, yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. I, I was thinking, like, what would happen if Maya summons enough sorcery to put up a force field? And they kind of like survive in the head. The head floats through the dark eagle and goes through like underground dark eagle flows and stuff. And it washes up somewhere uh, in like, I don't know, a spider cave when one of the dark eagle pools there. And they crawl away and hide and plot their revenge for the next game. Wow, you thought that one through. <laughs> if they really wanted to be something, if they really wanted to do something with this whole secret ending... Um, I mean, of course, we wouldn't have gotten the Jack 2 that we got, but I feel like it would have been great if they had actually done something like that. Um, the secret ending being like, oh, oh, Ma Gollumai are still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of secret endings, we now get on to the secret cutscene. This is if you... Is it 101 power cells that you need to have to get the secret cutscene? Yes. Oh, okay. I think it's 100, actually. And the the last one is, like, an extra one. I don't know. I think I, it could be 101. It could be... I think it's 100, but it's probably 101. Oh, okay. I mean, my main question for this scene, when he starts... The power cells start shooting out of his backpack, is it? Where did they come from? He opens something up, doesn't he? Is it his backpack? Yeah, it's meant to be his backpack. Mm. When they just start shooting out and going over the doors. Where did the other sages go? Because they're not there. My only explanation is that the game assumes that you wouldn't beat the game the first time with every single power cell. It assumes that you would have gone back through the game to get up the... That's a bold assumption, Naughty Dog. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. How how dare they underestimate us. Uh, But they assume that you would go back and pick up the straggler cells. And then come back and get the ending. So in which case the sages all would have just gone home. But that's what I like, would have said. <laughs> yeah, but I, I was thinking it would have been cool to like go back through the game and see them back in their huts, and the huts are all cleaned up and repaired and stuff. And they would have had a yeah. uh, unique post-game dialogue for you. You know, exactly. That would have been brilliant. Did that? I mean, I have I haven't completed and then gone back through the game. So they didn't do anything like that. They just nope. sort of went on as if they were still missing. Yeah, they pretty much just disappear. They're not, like, back in their jail cells or anything. They're just, they're just gone. I mean, to be honest, though, that's kind of a hallmark of the series. Like, in Jack 3, you go back to the gun shooting range. Tess is still there in human form, even though she's apparently been turned into a Nazel. Oh, man. I mean, those are the little intricacies that I, I do think adds a lot to a game. 
Yeah, it would have been nice. And they we, they could have gotten some funny lines, like you could have gone to the Yellow Sage's lab. Well, where would the Yellow Sage have been? Because there is no place for him in the, the Citadel. He he has a little, like, a little treehouse, for lack of a better word, right outside the entrance. of the, You know when you finish Lava Tube and you park your Zoomer? Yeah. Yeah, it's like right beside that. That's meant to be his, his lab. Oh. oh, I never noticed. Well, he's the one who, like, was making jokes about wanting to eat Daxter. <laughs> yeah, the redneck kind of dude. <laughs> well, then, yeah, you could have gone to him and he's like, oh, here come, I didn't know y'all did takeout. Or something <laughs> like that. You're going to have me some mus- muskrat stew. <laughs> muskrat stew <laughs> delivery? <laughs> I mean, it is a good secret cutscene, but I did think it gets, like, a bit kids show-ishy when it says, I think it'll only open if you fill the holes with 100 power cells. Oh, 100 power cells. You're right. It was 100. Yep, it is 100. I mean, we don't have enough time to discuss this now, but another discussion for next episode, which is going to be all about the Precursor Legacy is what do we think is through that door? Hmm. I'm going to talk about it from the perspective of, like, Jack 1 has just came out. There is no Jack 2 or 3 yet. So I'm going to give theories in that sort of scenario. The non, oh, okay. non-canon non-canon theories, because they already know what's behind it. But oh, you know, yeah. I'm, going to, I'm going to give my own theories about like what could have been if Jack 2 or 3 <laughs> never happened. I Wait. just think it's hilarious, but it's also brilliant from like a creative writing perspective, just to show you bright, dazzling light. Oh, what is it? Oh, you don't get, you don't know until you play uh, into the sequel. Wait, <laughs> what? Gra- when do we find out what's through the door? I I won't spoil it for you. No, I won't take that pleasure away from you. But I I've played the games. I must have just forgotten. What is it? Wait, you've played Jack 2 and 3? You don't know? For real? Yeah, I've played Jack 2 and 3 multiple times. How do I not know? Oh. It's it's assumed to be the Rift Ring and the Rift Rider that they use to go through to Haven City. What? That what? That doesn't Because in the begin in the clean? in the beginning of Jack 2 when they when they do that sweeping shot up to the Sandover village and to um Samos's hut uh, the rift ring has like that brilliant glow to it that is the same kind of glow that um the door had in the cutscene um but then it never showed you what it was um and then they even say uh, oh i hope we didn't um break anything moving it all the way down here to the lab but do th- does it ever actually like say that that's what it was no not explicitly no but, I mean, I, it, I don't think that was it. I mean, even that's a bit far-fetched to to say like that made all that light, even if they did want to sort of crowbar it to fit with the sequel, surely. Well, that's why that's why I'm saying it's great that they didn't show us because it allowed them to pretty much do whatever they wanted and um, without violating continuity because, oh, they didn't show us what it was, so they, it could have been anything. And the running theory is, well, not the running theory, but one running theory is that Samos himself, after arriving in the past, put the Rift Ring and the Rift Rider there on purpose because Jack, he would assume that once Jack had the ability to acquire all 100 power cells, that that would mark him as being ready to take on all of the shit that would happen to him in Jack 2 and 3. Ooh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. I like that, but it it still doesn't track to me because don't they say like, 
Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, I can't imagine them saying that about a Rift Rider ring. I also, I've always wondered too, Samos probably, ne- would he probably, young Samos probably never got filled in on what happened in the Precursor Legacy. There probably just wasn't enough time for old Samos to be like, okay, this is what happens in the past. Um, because Samos acts like he didn't even know that he has to go back into the past with young Jack until the very end. So um, I'm, I'm assuming that young Samos, while he was raising Jack, always wondered what happened and why Daxter never turned back into a human. He wouldn't know everything. And that's why he says in the beginning of Jack 2, this is how it happens. Because he, he, he genuinely had no clue how they got back to the uh, future or back to Haven City. Well, we haven't got time to go into it now, but I'm really looking forward to discussing that next episode because... I have views on this, and I'm pretty sure you two have views that have facts to back them yeah. up, but oh well, we'll have a go. <laughs> okay, so now we will wrap up the final mission by mission for the Precursor Legacy by doing a rename the mission. I shall go first. I have renamed the mission Dude, Where's My Paintball Gun? Which sounds really lame now I'm saying it out loud, but <laughs> it draws back to the robot. Guys, what is yours? So we're not renaming the Citadel, we're renaming just the boss battle, yeah? Yeah, just the boss battle. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's a precursor silo, so I'm just going to call it uh, the Sinister Cylinder. Ooh, <laughs> very nice. It's not, it's stupid. Iteration. <laughs> Have you got one, CJ? Um, since this is the final mission, and since this is also kind of like the end of an this era of Jack and Daxter, because from this point on, things get a lot darker and a lot mm-hmm. um, bigger and whatever, um, I'm going to call this one Days Gone By, and By is going to be spelled oh. B-Y-E. Aww, oh, that's sweet. That gives me feels. That's clever. I like that. Wow. Now it is time for the jacked joke, which is being brought to you by yours truly. I'm going to need a partner in crime for this one, though. So who of you is going to take that role? <laughs> I'll do it. Okie dokes. This is a knock-knock joke, okay? Mm-hmm, I'm ready. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> knock-knock. Who's there? The tax man. <laughs> the tax man who? Mr. Mayor, you know perfectly well who I am and why I am here. This is your final warning, and if you don't pay it now, you will no longer be allowed to be the mayor of Sandover Village. What? Ooh, so you want to make a contribution? Yum. That is why I have avoided it for so long, people. But oh well. I mean, I was quite pleased with it. Written down, I thought it was it was okay. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was my honor to be your, your partner in crime on that joke. <laughs> Why, thank you. Thank you very much. I did enjoy that, actually, Cherry. <laughs> very charitable. Thank you very much. <laughs> so that has been episode 22 of Jacked, the Jack and Daxter podcast. As we have just finished the mission by missions for the Precursor Legacy, next episode and possibly the episode after that, depending how we go time-wise, will be all about the Precursor Legacy. I'm thinking it might be like a we could do like a rerun of the first episode, which was about the Precursor Legacy, but which is now no longer available to the listener due to its rather 
shaky audio quality shall we say um i think it'd also be kind of cool for us to have a discussion you know before we get to jack two um obviously you know the change uh, in direction um is well known at this point i think it'd be kind of cool for us to talk about what we would have liked to have seen from a jack two you know maybe or what, what what they could have potentially done outside of the direction that they went into yeah that would be cool like i mean there's gonna be like loads quite a few episodes i think before we start jack two mission by mission so definitely like we'll get in all the discussions yeah, yeah. that'd be a great episode yeah and then just talk about like the road there and exactly i mean because and we all know like kind of like why they went in the direction that they did but it may be kind of cool to kind of like do a whole episode that just kind of bridges the gap mm. and then we go straight in but it's whatever yeah sounds cool. i'm just here i'm just along for the ride <laughs> what were you gonna say darren uh yeah no that's a great idea for an episode because there's just so much we could talk about there um and, mm. and to do so enthusiastically it would make a yeah, it would make a great episode. Great listening, all right. Mm, I agree. I agree. Okay, so thank you for listening. If you've got any thoughts on the first game and you want to share them ready for the Precursor Legacy episodes coming up, then email in, either write in or a voice notes, which is always nice. It's also a lot safer if you don't want me, who will probably be reading the email out to sort of butcher it. So... Yeah, jacked.podcast at gmail.com. I'll leave the spelling and whatnot in the show notes. So thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Au revoir. Peace out, home skillet. Home skillet? (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations, you made it to the end. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Wow, that was, that, this made me sound really old.